So when I was young, I mean like two and a half or three years old, uh, my parents got me a rocking horse. I believe we actually got it from my cousins up in Connecticut, but I don't mean that it was like a little wooden thing on arcs that looked kind of like a horse. I mean a large molded plastic suspended on springs colored horse that I would spend hours on. As a young child, I spent hours just rocking on this horse in the corner. I would be on it for so long that I would literally fall asleep while riding it. It made adorable pictures. But I loved this horse so much that the original one I had, I used so much that I wore it out. And so for my fourth birthday, my parents got me a new one. This one made noises. And I rode that thing for many, many more years. I loved horses when I was younger and I had an infinite amount of energy as a child. So this combined my two biggest hobbies, horses and constantly moving. But anyway, the point is that I loved it. I loved it so very much. And I can guarantee that my parents had no idea when they gave it to me how much I would love it. They gave me a gift that was completely better than anything I could ever have imagined. So why am I telling you this? Because the Universal Catholic Church today, around the world, is at one time and in unison as the body of Christ, asking for God in our opening prayer at Mass to exceed our expectations with His generosity. It actually asks God to give us even those things that we think are so great that we are afraid to ask Him for. The text of the opening prayer, which you already heard, it says this, Almighty God, who in the abundance of your kindness surpass the merits and the desires of those who entreat you, pour out your mercy upon us to pardon what conscience dreads and to give what prayer does not dare to ask. So let's break that down a little bit. Because the Universal Church always has an intention when you come to Mass. It orders the Mass, and we always hear what the Church wants to pray for during the Collect. So, in the beginning of this collect, as we usually do, we address God in his greatness and talk about the abundance of his kindness surpassing both our merits and our desires. Meaning, because he is so good, and we, who can do nothing on our own without the grace of the Holy Spirit, we can't merit his favor. Yet he freely gives it to us. And not only does he give us his grace, but it surpasses even what we ask for. So, in the first part of the opening prayer, we admit that we are powerless, but He is all goodness. We can do nothing to achieve salvation, but the gifts that He gives us outdo in generosity anything that we could ask for. And if that wasn't enough, the prayer continues, Pour out your mercy upon us to pardon what conscience dreads and what prayer does not dare to ask. Again, this is another twofold admission. First, that we are sinful, and our conscience convicts us with dread of the things that we have done. But we beg the Lord's mercy upon those things. And then we ask the Lord's mercy on those prayers of ours that we are timid or too afraid to ask for. Asking for his mercy on what prayer does not dare to ask, we're admitting that while we are semi-comfortable with the idea of communicating with the God of the universe, there are still some things that we are terrified to ask for. Because after all, what if he says no? 
None of us like hearing the word no. Or maybe even more terrifying, what if he says yes? So the church prays for the mercy of God to be poured out upon us that we would not let the memory of our past sins prevent us from asking the Lord for his mercy, nor would fear stand in the way of asking the Lord for what we want and what we need, knowing that the Lord is never outdone in generosity and his grace often exceeds our wildest dreams. So then we look at the second reading from St. Paul, his letter to the Philippians. He says in the very first line of this reading, brothers and sisters, have no anxiety, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So putting that into context, if God is who we say he is, if he is the God that made the entire world, from the depths of the Mariana Trench in the oceans to the top of Mount Everest, and everything and every creature in between, if this is the God that created the entirety of the universe that we are still trying to map, if he created all the stars in the sky and all the planets to include Pluto, in all the solar systems known and unknown, if this is the God that we profess, then we should be absolutely terrified in every respect to think that we could directly communicate with him in any fashion whatsoever. It's almost unimaginable that he would care about us and want to hear from us because of how great he is. And yet, that is exactly the case. The God that created everything in existence to include space and time itself knows each one of us intimately and desires to be infinitely known by each of us. And that is why St. Paul confidently tells us that we should have no anxiety when addressing the God of the universe, but rather, in everything, make our requests known to him. And while it is very easy to talk about, the church understands that we are human. So that's why, from the very beginning of Mass, we pray that our fears, anxieties, trepidations, and hesitations would be removed so that we can experience the peace of God that St. Paul tells us surpasses all understanding. That in and of itself is a gift that surpasses anything we could hope to ask for. The truth is that the Lord's love for us is ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Why he loves us the way he does with all our faults and all of our sinful inclinations, it doesn't make sense on any level. And yet, he does love us. He loves us so much that he was willing to look foolish throughout history to show us his love. The parable of the vineyard owner and the tenants is a parable about God throughout history. First, the landowner sends his servants to the tenant farmers. They are treated terribly and do not do what the landowner wants. These are the fathers in faith like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The landowner sends other servants again, and they are likewise mistreated and not listened to. These we understand to be the prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Isaiah, just to name a few. And still the people do not listen. So finally the landowner sends his son, thinking they will listen to him. And the tenants seize the son, put him outside of the vineyard, and kill him. God sent his son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, 
and we put him to death on a cross. But unlike in the parable, the death of the Son being the end in that story, the death of the Son of God was not the end. He used that very death to be the end of death and the key to our salvation. So we are able to hope, not in ourselves or in the world, but rather we as Christians hope in the resurrection of Christ. Because if we look for it all to make sense and to be logical, his love for us doesn't make sense and is illogical. But if we take peace in the Lord Jesus, knowing that his grace to us is his free, unmerited gift, then we know that there is nothing we could ever do to earn that love, which means there is also nothing we could ever do to lose that love. Which is why we should be filled with peace when asking for the Lord for anything and everything. I love the quote that says, If your prayers to God don't scare you, then you're not asking for enough. Have confidence, my brothers and sisters. Ask the Lord for everything that your heart desires this week. Pour out your needs and your wants and also your love to him in prayer, knowing that no matter what we ask for, the Lord will surpass our expectations in ways that we could never imagine.